Hi, friends. This is Monica Klein, and you've joined me on The Monica Klein Show. It's been a great week. Um, Just wanted to give you some quick updates on what's going on in Austin, Texas, and throughout our nation about pro-family and pro-love and religious liberty. So for those of you who may not know me already, I am a former comprehensive sex educator, and I saw the light and left that that industry of work. And now I am the founder of It Takes a Family, where I educate and equip parents with the skills and knowledge necessary to build family trust and confidence, because I want you, the parent, to reclaim parenthood and be your the leading voice in your children's lives about marriage and God and identity and sex. So uh, welcome to It Takes a Family. Welcome to my show on the Bridge Christian Talk Radio. Uh, I just want to let you know that today's sponsor is It Takes a Family. And I'm very grateful for that. And I also want to let you know that if you are a pregnancy resource center or you're another nonprofit organization or a business who also believes in pro-life and pro-family issues, uh, if you're about leadership and having uh, the Christians lead in this country and you're interested in sponsoring the show, I would love for you to do that. Just email me hello at monicacline.com. I would love to talk to you about that. You can get a 30-second ad on my radio show, uh, and I, we could pre-record it. It could be you. I could do it with you, or I could do it myself. Either way, so we can get creative with it. So I really encourage you to email me at hello at monicacline.com and become a sponsor of the Monica Klein Show. So today we have a very uh, full uh, agenda. So basically, as I was writing this together, putting it together, I started thinking about what I wanted to say. And I was kind of at first, you know, a loss of words. And the next thing I know, it got filled up really fast. So here we go. So one of the first things that I want to talk about is get really get into just the list of things. Like I want to give you guys a update on the virtual sex ed sit out that we had with Texas Values and Stand Up with Children Coalition this past week. Um, you know, we had Jonathan Signs on the show. We're talking about it a little bit, talking about what was going on in Austin ISD and the sex education and the graphic education. Um, really, the miracle of the fact that sex education could not be implemented in Austin ISD this year. Um, Of course, it was not under the circumstances that we would have liked, um, but we're really grateful that the children were not exposed to this kind of curriculum in the schools. But we, do, the fight's not over because we always have this next school year. So we need to continue educating parents about what this curriculum really says. Now, if you miss that, I want you to go to the Texas Values uh, Facebook page where you can find a recording of the town hall meeting. Um, you will hear from Austin ISD parents. You will hear from me at It Takes a Family. You'll hear from Carol Ayala from Stand Up for Children Coalition. She's also the founder of Concerned Parents of Texas. You will hear from Texas Values and you will hear hear from Pastor Hanoi Avila, who is there to represent not only the Hispanic churches, but Christian churches as a whole. So um, make sure you get you uh, take some time to look at that video. But I also want to talk about another update that we'll talk about today is uh, many of you know who Abby Johnson is. Uh, Abby Johnson is someone who um, was working as a director of a Planned Parenthood abortion facility. Uh, she saw a, a child being aborted through an ultrasound and saw that child fighting for its life. And that's when she finally realized this is a real human being. 
And, and, and the trauma of that caused her to leave the abortion industry and become pro-life. And she is one of the most well-known and effective pro-life speakers in our country and really across the globe. So, um, and it's so heart-wrenching to, to know that she, you know, that that little baby went through that and so many millions of other babies have been through that. Uh, to think that when we think of our own children, we think about how we want to nurture them. We think about how, you know, while they're still in inside their moms, you know, forming and growing and developing, um, just the comfort that they have of, of being there and hearing the voices outside, you know, hearing mom's voice and dad's voice. And to think that at such an early age, these little babies are having to fight for their lives and, and ultimately not able to 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 win and defend themselves. And so she so I'm going to talk a little bit about Abby Johnson and a great project that she invited me to be a part of. And I want you to if you're not and I'll give you I'll tell you a little bit right now. It's on Pure Flix. So if you don't know what Pure Flix is, I want you to google it and find out. Pure Flix, P U R E F L I X. She's got a okay, I'll say it. She's got a kind of like a mini series, a documentary series where she's talking to other former abortion providers and a former comprehensive sex educator, which happens to be me. Um, So, but I'll talk a little bit more about that. But I also want to cover a little bit about um, COVID-19 and the issues with tracing and tracers. You may or may not have heard of that. About two radio shows ago, I mentioned that Governor Abbott has actually put that as part of our plan here in Texas is to have tracers. People... Uh, there, there would be funding to pay individuals to track who is infected with the COVID virus and who is not. Um, and there's various ways that they can be tracked. And if you are, if the tracer finds out that you've been exposed to the virus, then you will be required to be quarantined until they believe that you're safe to go out in public again. So this really goes against a lot of our freedoms. Um you know, I can't help but think that these tracers are just big stooges. <laughs> so I'm not a fan of this. A lot of people are not fans of this. And, and I think saying that I'm not a fan of it is really understating that. Um, we have to really protect our freedoms in this country. I believe that we need to protect ourselves, but this is going a little far. So the House of Representatives in Congress have actually taken it a step further, and they now have proposed a bill, uh, H.R. 6666. Yeah, I'm not even kidding. You can Google that, too, and you can read it for yourself. I actually printed it off of the House of Representatives, so you can actually find this yourself and print the PDF and read it for yourself, but I'm going to be discussing it today. And then I had the unique opportunity this week, a great honor, to be invited to be part of a virtual pastors roundtable live with Washington, D.C., where we got, uh, it was hosted by the Family Research Council and hosted uh, with, with some major leaders in our country. And so I want to give you an update about what was discussed on that phone call uh, through through the web, through the internet. And, and really, it was such an encouraging call, encouraging to know that there were so many pastors on this phone call and that our leaders of our country we're really standing up for our religious freedoms and not just ours as Christians, but all religious freedom and even religious freedom across the globe. So that was a, a wonderful, unexpected honor to be invited to be a part of that. I even had one of my questions um, asked uh, on there and, and they were able to answer it. So I, I, that was a real win for me. So I was really excited. So, but 
also want to talk about the news on Eagle Forum. I was reading um, a wonderful email that they sent me. And there were really, you know, also Fox News covered this about um, during this COVID time, you all have heard about the Paycheck Protection Program. Um, and so Paycheck Protection Program, for some of you who may not know, is really put together by the Small Business Association. And it's really to help fund businesses, small businesses of 500 employees or less to help them pay or cover payroll during this time of COVID and, and, and quarantine. Um, and, and guess who applied for that and got $80 million? Planned Parenthood. Isn't that crazy? Um, so one, they're not a small business. Uh, they're not a for, well, they're supposed to not be a for-profit business. Um, they definitely have more than 600 or 500 employees. Um, and, and they really did not qualify for this. This was not something that they should have applied for. I think it's a pretty, pretty, um, pretty tacky, pretty crazy of them that they even applied for this. They applied, they were approved, they got $80 million in loans. Um, But just so that you know, the program was refunded after a couple of weeks. So that did not stick Planned Parenthood. Um, So really, I thought that was just really interesting. That was in the news that Planned Parenthood not only wants to, um, you know, they're, they're big advocates of keeping parents out of the picture. Uh, One of the things that Planned Parenthood taught me is that parents are a barrier to service. Parents are a real problem. Parents are pesky. Parents get involved in their children's lives, and that's just a big problem is how Planned Parenthood feels. And so it's really interesting how there is this organization that is against family, against parental authority. Um, They view our children in a very distorted way. Um, They allow very young children to access their services and even provide them with abortions. They refuse to report cases of human trafficking because their view is that these young girls or young boys are voluntarily doing these things with adult people. I mean, y'all have heard the stories before. Um, And here they are going even the step further of, by the way, they charge for abortions. None of that is free. Um, So, you know, they say that they're for women, they say that they're for empowerment, they say that they're for freedom, but truly what they're doing is that they're, they're really creating this hostile environment for family and a hostile environment for our children. And then on top of that, I mean, they're very much driven by money. So this is a big part of their program is that if they can indoctrinate the children, then those children will be their customers for life. And then their generation and their generation, if if people continue to hold the values that Planned Parenthood holds. Uh, all the while, they're, they're making money off of this. They make money by getting government funds. They get money by charging for abortions. They're getting money by charging for transgender therapy um, treatments that they're also providing to young children. None of that, you know, they, they, on their website, they talk about, oh, well, you can ask insurance to cover for it and all of that. But of course, that means that Planned Parenthood gets paid for that. If you don't have insurance, they say it's about, I think it was like $150, $250 or something like that to get hormone therapy. So they're not doing this out of the kindness of their hearts. They are a business. So it's interesting that they're so driven by their own greed, driven by a false sense of freedom, uh, really driven by relativism. And then they even go as far as trying to pretend that they're a small business and ask for over $80 million in loans for, you know, for pay, 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 uh, I'm sorry, paycheck protection. So it's just 
just the gall is really amazing. You know, they're pretty, they're, they, yeah. <laughs> so that, that just, I'm almost speechless with that, of course. But the good news is that that all was refunded. Um, they, obviously, someone, I don't know who it was or how it was found out, but it was stopped. And so, but I'm going to talk about when I get into the HR 6666, I want to point out some of the language in there that I believe that people like Nancy Pelosi and other individuals who are very pro-abortion are probably hoping that some of this money, if it were to be approved, which I doubt that it will, would actually go to a Planned Parenthood. So those are some of the things that we need to be looking out for and why I talk about this. So let me talk a little bit more about, uh, go in the order here, is the virtual sex set. I've got a few minutes to talk about that. So we um, had this at a local church at Oak Meadows Baptist Church, and we're able to have our speakers to talk about the sex ed sit out and the Austin ISD graphic curriculum. Um, I want to say that when you go to Facebook and you find these videos on Texas Values, you can find them on It Takes a Family's Facebook page. You can find it on Stand Up for Children um, ATX Facebook page as well. We've had over 10,000 views of the English panel. So you're probably wondering, what do you mean the English panel? We had an English panel, and then we had a Spanish panel, which is fantastic because there are so many families in Texas and in the Austin ISD um, you know, district that are that the parents only speak Spanish. And so you can send them a form. It, it doesn't matter. They're not going to be able to read it or understand it. Um, the curriculum is only in Spanish. Now, Austin ISD is going to say, no, that's not true. We have it in Spanish. Um, it, it's not. It's only in English. The only thing that they've been able to translate into Spanish are the handouts that they give to the children, but not the entire curriculum. And so what's important to know is that if you do not read the entire curriculum, then you don't really understand the direction that the instructors are getting on how to teach this information. And that is super important. So anytime you read a sex ed curriculum, you want to read the teacher's manual because the teacher's manual is basically directing that teacher on how to teach on condom negotiation skills, how to eroticize the use of condoms and lubrication. I mean, it goes on and on and on. So you get a lot of details out of just reading the teacher manual. So uh, that, like I said, is not in Spanish. So we've had 10,000 views on the English panel, and we've got close to 3,000 views in the Spanish uh, session. And, and it was fantastic. And the feedback we got from parents was phenomenal. Um, and they're not stopping there. They are working together. The people who watch, they're working together to write letters to the school board, write letters to the state school board. Um, it's important to them because this is their children. So if you're watching right now and you have children, you know that feeling that you have inside of you, that natural instinct to want to protect your children, well, these people who watched our panels, they got to see from an Austin ISD parent herself who read the thousands of pages in that curriculum, and she put images on the slides so that parents could see exactly what Austin ISD wants to teach your kids. Um, it, it, was, it was pretty horrific to see what their plan was. So, um, you know, again, the viewers, their natural instinct to want to protect children, whether they have children or not, really kicked in, and they want to do something about it because this is not okay. Basically, this curriculum sexualizes children, and no child 
regardless of how they identify. And I mean that. I'm not taking a stance at this moment. I mean, I have my beliefs. I do. I have my beliefs on what do I believe as far as how people identify or sexual orientation or gender. I have my beliefs on that. And I have research to even back that up as well. But what I mean is even if a child identifies with same-sex attraction or even if I, if a child identifies with or, or is um, really conflicted because of gender dysphoria, those children should also be protected. No child should be sexualized with this kind of a curriculum. It doesn't matter how they identify. No child should be exposed to graphic sexual content. And every child should be protected through their childhood. Um, so we're going to get um, in, in a little bit. I'm going to I'm going to talk more about that. I want to also mention that organizations that are part of this coalition, some of the efforts that we're going to continue to do together to combat this curriculum in Austin, because as the panel mentioned, it's not just Austin ISD. There is a move. And I'll and I'll tell you when we get back from the break what some of these organizations are. There is a move to push this throughout the state and really across the nation, and it's already happening. So we'll be back in just a few seconds, and we'll get right back to it. All right. Welcome back to the Monica Klein Show on the Bridge Christian Talk Radio. Uh, the sponsor of today's show is It Takes a Family. I would like for the next radio show to say the sponsor today is So-and-So Pregnancy Center. I would love that. Call me. Call me or email me at Monica, hello at MonicaKlein.com. I would love to talk about your pregnancy center. And you know what? Not just because I want you to be a sponsor of the radio show, but because the people listening to this show on the radio or watching on Facebook or listening to it on the podcast need to know about your resources. And they need that personal touch. They need to know who you are. Um, maybe, you know, and if you want to do the ad yourself so they can hear your voice, that's fine. Or I will do it myself and make you sound amazing because you are. So I would really like that. I really, part of getting sponsorship on this radio show is to also tell people about the resources in the community. So I want to make sure that people are, are learning about you. So email me at hello at monicacline.com and learn how you can be a sponsor of the show. So who are the organizations that are pushing graphic sex ed in Texas? Texas Freedom Network, number one. Texas Freedom Network was created by Cecile Richards, the former president of Planned Parenthood. So essentially, Texas Freedom Network is a Planned Parenthood organization. Now, are they with EINs and all of that? No, not necessarily. But they're one and the same, and they believe in the same ideology. Um, CECUS is another organization also created by a former Planned Parenthood, parent, Planned Parenthood leader. Um, so again, do you, do you see how the commonalities, oh, they're all going right back to Planned Parenthood, yes. So these are, these are organizations that are working towards um, creating a, an environment in which our children will be indoctrinated with graphic sex education. And a big piece of graphic sex education is a realization on their part that parents don't want their children sexualized, which means that parents become a barrier between them and your children. They don't. They want to eliminate that barrier. So you're right here. Planned Parenthood is here. Your kids are over here. If you're watching me, you see what I'm doing. And they want to make sure that we can eliminate the parent out of the picture. 
Um, and they can do that through education, and they can do that by the way that they teach the children. Um, and this is why It Takes a Family is so important, because I really want parents to reclaim parenthood. Do not be afraid to talk to your children about these subjects. And the way that you can stop being afraid is by becoming educated. So I want you to follow me on Facebook, It Takes a Family. I want you to also follow my website, ItTakesAFamily.org, because in June, I will have some new webinars to help teach you the differences between uh, sexual risk reduction, which is comprehensive sex education. So when I say risk reduction, that means in get involved in the risk and just reduce it by using condoms and lubrication, et cetera, et cetera. Or the other public health approach, which is a primary health approach, is risk avoidance, which is helping our children or the general population to learn how to avoid risky behavior altogether, like eliminate the risk. And so you're not ever worried about pregnancy or disease. So um, please go to ItTakesAFamily.org so you can find out when the next webinar is coming. So um, basically, uh, these town hall meetings that we did have been very successful. It's really gotten the word out to parents all over the state, to pastors all over the state, so that they can be armed with being able to combat this in their school districts. Very, very important. Reach out to the organizations who were on the panel. Reach out to Texas Values. Reach out to Concerned Parents of Texas. Reach out to Stand Up for Children Coalition. Reach out to It Takes a Family. We have resources for you to help you navigate this in your school district and to make sure that you are a leader in your district to protect all children, not just your children, but all children. So the other, um, so I went through that. Okay, sorry. Sorry, guys. Let me talk to you a little bit more about this House of Representatives Bill 6666. Can you believe it? I think you can see it. John, maybe you can. Yeah, people can see it. Thanks, John. I love that John's back there and I can talk to him. Um, I'll, I'll ask him if I can give him a nickname, but I doubt it. <laughs> but anyway, so HR 6666. Uh, I highlighted a few things here. They're going to award grants. What does that mean? To me, that means that there is going to be states who are going to say, oh, grant, it means money. I want money. Yes, I'm going to apply for that grant. Money talks, right? It is for testing for COVID-19, but not just that. It is for contact tracing. And I will tell you what that means. They will also have mobile health units, and they will be going to your residence. And it also says here, and for other purposes, so anytime you have a bill that has vague language that says, for other purposes, red flag, do not vote for it. Here's the other reason I want you to go find this on Google. Because here in the House of Representatives, it has a list of all of the people who are in agreement with this bill and are going to be voting for it. Kind of like the writers of the bill. So now you can go and see if someone that you voted for wants this bill. And if they do... Now you know you may not want to vote for them again, all right? This is how we hold our politicians accountable. Please go look at this on Google, HR 6666. You will find it. So other purposes. Mm -mm -mm. No matter what bill you read on the state level, federal level, if you see vague language, that's, that's on there, in there on purpose for loopholes. And I think that that's going to be one of those loopholes. It's going to say, for example, Planned Parenthood could get some of this money. 
but but they do abortions and they do family planning. Why would they want this? Because cha-ching, it means money. That's why. So um, COVID testing, what does that stand for? It, uh, or what does TRACE stand for? It stands for testing, reaching, and contacting contacting everyone. Uh, so basically, they're wanting to trace and monitor the contacts uh, of infected individuals, support the quarantine of such, the, of such contacts, and they will also be hiring and training and compensating people to do this. Now, I know I'm being kind of rough on this, I'm not apologizing for that. I kind of feel like these are COVID stooges. Um, honestly, this is a really huge problem. Um, one of the things that we've already seen in Texas that's happening is my husband is in construction. He walked on to a construction site. Uh, we mostly work with a handful of custom builders, um, and he was told he needed to sign a form that he was there. Um, so rule number one, we taught this to our son as well. You do not sign anything just because someone tells you to sign it. Okay, so for all of you out there, don't just go signing things because tell, people tell you to sign it. Of course, my husband is smart enough and he refused, but the response was, well, then I'll sign it for you. Okay, that is not called freedom. That is a huge problem. So here we're going to have people who are paid to do this kind of work. Uh, the other thing is that this is going to help fund federally qualified health centers, which are basically a lot of the free clinics around our nation, which is great. You know, we, we want to support our federally qualified health centers. Planned Parenthood is also part of those federally qualified health centers. So we want to be really careful about that, especially when this bill is saying it's for other purposes as well. And they're not defining what those other purposes are. So, um, you know, nonprofits can also apply for this grant. They're going to provide this at school-based health clinics, which, you know, I've talked about school-based health clinics before as well. They're another way that parents are not notified about the kind of health care that's being provided to your child, whether it's through education or an actual service. Um, one of the things that I've mentioned before is, for example, in California and Massachusetts, children can now access contraceptives for free in their school-based health center without parental notification or consent of any kind. So I'm not a fan of school-based health clinics for those reasons. Uh, a lot of this is really taking away a parental authority. Um, and, and a lot of this in the bill is, I believe, is also impeding on our liberties. So I'm not, I'm not a supporter of this at all. So one of the, um, oh, and by the way, the, the bill here is a proposed budget of $1 billion. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I'm in a movie, $1 billion for the fiscal year of 2020. Um, and then if necessary to go into 2021. So again, you can read this for yourself. I encourage you to. I always want you to read things for yourself. This is why I have research um, in on my website, ItTakesTheFamily.org, because I want you to be educated. Now, you can you can hear my Cliff Notes versions of everything, and that's fine. I'm totally okay with that if that's what you want to do. But I always will have the research on my website. I didn't put this on my website because you can go find this yourself. Just literally Google this. Um, but I want you to read it for yourself. That's important. And I think it's an important thing to teach your children as well, to never take just someone's word for something. Go research it yourself. It's important. Um, so that there, there is that, um, something that I'm not really happy about. But here's some good news about this particular bill. When I was on the phone call with the virtual pastors roundtable, um, I heard from majority of those leaders that were on the phone that this will, will probably pass the House, but it will not pass the Senate. 
So they did not seem worried that this bill would actually be passed. Okay, so I, I'm I'm holding on to that and, and praying, obviously, about that. So let me tell you a little bit about this virtual pastors roundtable. It was put on by the Family Research Council, and and it really is, was for, for pastors. But I have a good friend who's who's a part of this. Um, these are pastors that are communicating with the Trump administration, uh, with other political leaders. And, and it was just a real honor that, that I was invited to, to participate. And, um, and it was really cool because I had to apply. And then they confirmed and said, you, you're, you know, we received it. And then they said, but we're reviewing your application. And then I got the email that said you're approved. You know, and that always makes you feel good that you've been approved and let in and you got your special password. So I, I was, you know, it, I'm just showing how nerdy I am. But I was, I was just like so excited that I was approved to be on this call. And let me tell you why. Because... We had all these amazing, we had uh, Tony Perkins, who's the president of the Family Research Council, was moderating all of this and, and, and leading it. We had the U.S. Attorney General, William Barr. We had the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Ben Carson. We heard from Deputy Secretary of Health and Human Services, Eric Hargan. I doubt that Eric Hargan is listening to this podcast right now, but he's going to get a lot of emails from me because he's with Health and Human Services and I have so much to say. So poor Eric Hargan, pray for him. (laughs) I'm going to be nice, but I'm going to try to make him one of my new friends. Um, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, Acting Secretary of Homeland Security Chad Wolf, uh, and can you believe it? Our U.S. President Donald Trump was on the call. Um, We didn't get to ask him questions. Um, he, he really did the talking. But one of the things that I loved about listening to Donald Trump on this phone call is that you know, when people say when you're on the phone with someone, smile because people can hear your smile through the phone or the airwaves, I suppose. I could hear Donald Trump smiling. He was really happy to be on this phone call with our pastors of our country. Um, and he, he just was so positive and so confident. And, and I really, really loved him for that. Um, but and I'll go through some of the things that they actually talked about. One of the main things that they talked about a lot was religious freedom. Mike Pompeo was one of the first speakers. And he spoke a lot about how important it is for us to have religious freedom across the globe. So that that meant a lot to me, and I'm sure to a lot of the uh, pastors on the phone, um, he said that it was central to democracy. Religious freedom is central to democracy, not just in our nation, but across the globe. So that was exciting. I think one of my favorite speakers, though, was William Barr. Um, I'm really, I'm I'm like his fangirl right now, um, but not really. (laughs) But he talked about religious freedom as well. And he said, true freedom comes from the Lord. Now, William Barr I did not realize was just such a strong Christian. I know that some of you can probably watch his video of his speech at Notre Dame, um, where he spoke a lot about this as well. But he was just very, very strong, very confident, and very committed to religious freedom. Um, He did talk about the draconian restrictions on churches that were happening during COVID-19, and he immediately stopped that. And he assured us that those things would not happen again. Um, He talked about how religious education is important to our nation's future. So he did talk about how the popular culture is very hostile to the faith. 
And I would say that even at this moment, our public schools, many, not all, but many of our public schools are also a hostile environment for people of faith, our children of faith. Now, it's not because the teachers are bad or because public schools in general are bad, but a lot of bad ideologies are being snuck into our public schools, and they shouldn't be. Some of those things that I'm not going to go into detail right now, and I'll probably invite some speakers so that you can learn about it, is social-emotional learning. It brings a lot of new age um, ideologies. It brings Buddhism. It brings—I'm not against Buddhism, but again, it's teaching our children things that— um, and in psychology, it, it brings things to our children that they're, it really teaches that they learn through their emotions and that they should rely on their emotions. And it's really pulling children away from academics. And so I find as social emotional learning to be very um, hostile, truly, to our children. Um, now, one of the things that William Barr mentioned that I'd never heard of is he quoted the first Duke of Wellington. And I thought this was really profound. He said that um, we must to educate men without religion, educate men without religion, and you make but clever devils. Again, he, he really believes that religious, that we need to support religious education. And he talked a lot about how parents really need to educate their children on their faith so that they are strong in their faith. And I believe that as well. So that was awesome. Um, other things that stood out to me, Eric Hargan, of course, I, I actually asked a question about Title X. I didn't know if it was actually going to be answered. I was so nervous because it was a really long question. And then I realized I, you know, I typed too long of a question and I had to shorten it so it would fit. <clears throat> Excuse me. But he, he actually, actually read my question. So I was really excited. Uh, and it was about Title X and how it is really... Um, harming parental rights. You know, it's really going against parental rights because Title X, although they cannot um, refer for an abortion, they still will provide contraception to girls as young as 12. Now, a 12-year-old girl cannot consent for sex. She cannot give a yes for sex because she's a little girl. And in the state of Texas, the age of consent, the age in which you are mature enough to give a yes for sex according to our law, 17. So how can we have a program that says that a 12-year-old girl can access these services without parental guidance or consent when she can't even consent to sex? I think it's a very dangerous president. Oh. And we'll be right back. Welcome back, friends. Wow, I talk a lot, don't I? I got right past the, the break there. So um, anyway, that, that call was very encouraging. I was just talking uh, with the viewers about the virtual pastors roundtable that was hosted by the Family Research Council with our national leaders. Uh, it was very inspiring. Um, I don't think that they tried to be inspiring necessarily. I mean, they were talking about hard facts, but I was inspired and encouraged to hear our leaders and how they are supporting religious freedoms in our country and that they are also trying to protect religious freedoms around the globe. So that was very exciting and a great opportunity. Now, I do want to end this last segment <clears throat> by talking about some really good news. And the good news is, is really a story of redemption. Okay, so we have, each and every one of us has made decisions in our lives that we're not proud of. Um, sometimes we, people know about those decisions, the public, sometimes they don't. Um, but regardless of whether people know about what you've done 
or, or if they do or don't know, we have a God who wants to redeem us. Uh, we have a God who wants to take us from where we were or where we are, and he wants to bring us into his kingdom, and he wants to bring us into a place where we can have an abundant life. Um, I've shared my story on the radio just a little bit, too, about how, you know, I fell into that same ideology about sexual freedom and thinking that I was an empowered woman by being sexually promiscuous, thinking I was strong, thinking I was independent. Um, And every time I was hurt by that, I relied on those talking points that I'm empowered and I'm independent, but it never actually made me feel better. And it wasn't until I got out of that industry of, of, of doing comprehensive sex education and living that kind of life, and I, I accepted Christ into my life, that I started to learn true freedom. And, and I heard Christians say that before I was a Christian, and I never understood it because, hey, if I choose what I want to do whenever I want, I must be free, right? But I had true freedom, and I experienced true freedom after coming to Christ, and and. And to know that that was the moment when I accepted him, that he redeemed me, all of the things that I did to myself or to others that were harmful, he was able to just redeem and bring healing to that and change my life forever. And I'm not the only one that's been through that. You've been through that. You know someone who's been through that. You know someone who needs that. Maybe you're someone who wants that kind of redemption, wants that kind of freedom. And you can find that. Um, I found it through Christ. You may, um, and I believe, I, I, I don't know of any other faith that talks about that, to be honest. Uh, the Buddhists don't talk about that. And I'm not trying to down other religions, but Christianity is the only religion that has, or the only belief that has a Savior who is willing to give his life and give his purity so that we could be redeemed. So he paid the cost so that we could be redeemed. I don't know of any other religion that does that or that talks about that at all. There isn't one. That's, that's why, because this is the only one that does that. So <clears throat> the reason the story of redemption is so important is we, we see it in the Bible as well. You know, we see, um, we, we see that Paul was redeemed. We see that God can take someone who is doing something that was very harmful and hurtful and even against God and redeems them completely, and now they're just this powerful person who's able to bring more people into the kingdom. And so, um, when I think one of the, in the pro life movement, one of those that one of the most famous people that you know of that has had that kind of redemption is Abby Johnson. Um, now, she, her, you know she, her story is you know I, I can't repeat the whole story or anything, but but to see how God moved in her and took her out of the abortion industry. Um, and really, I'm sure on a spiritual sense, she, she had a renewed commitment to Christ um, to be able to uh, reconcile that, find forgiveness, and then use it to do good, use it to save babies, use it to save families, use it to take other women out of the abortion industry. Now, she knew that those women were hurting. She knew that what it was like to work in an abortion clinic day after day killing babies. She knew what it would do to them. Um, She saw it with her own eyes and she experienced it herself. And so only someone who's had that kind of experience could reach out to others to bring them out. Um, And so I say all that because she produced with Pure Flix a series called Beautiful Lives. 
And it's on Pure Flix right now. So I told you to Google that earlier. I want you to Google it now, Pure Flix. And her series is called Beautiful Lies. She produced and she basically led this. It's five episodes long. And in that, you're going to hear from Annette, who is a former um, abortion director, just like Abby. Very similar story. Um, but obviously very unique. Uh, Lori, who worked, uh, she's a researcher, and she worked at a university in in the research department and learned about how the university was conducting abortions on campus and using those fetal remains for research and for selling. They were selling them to other researchers. And she was part of something where I remember one of the things that, that I heard during the series that I hadn't heard her say before is that that she was um, that there was a drop down list that the people who who researchers who were trying to buy fetal remains could click on a drop down to pick the remain that they wanted the part the body part that they wanted it was it's horrific so you can hear her story as well. Julie Wilkinson was a nurse in the abor- in an abortion clinic <clears throat> and she st- shares her story as well. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. And then of course, and then I share my story of coming out of the sex education industry. And just a repeat of this is why sex education and abortion, for some of you who may not know this, is sex education is the vehicle that leads to abortion. You have to first get children to dehumanize themselves and objectify their bodies and objectify each other's bodies in order for them to also then dehumanize the unborn, the preborn baby. And then once that cycle of behavior begins, it continues until someone intervenes like a parent or God um, or anything. God can use anything to intervene in that. But it becomes a terrible uh, cycle that it's kind of like spiraling out of control. But without sex education, you can't groom someone to get to that point. So sex education is a huge marketing tool. It is so important to the abortion industry because that is how they mold a client for life because they stay on that cycle. Um, so beautiful lives. It's um, I'm I'm really proud of what Abby has done. Not that she needs me to say that, but it, it's a, it's a beautiful story. Um, I've I've seen her. I'm a I'm a client of her organization, and then there were none. She's invited me to her retreats. Um, I I remember thinking, well, I I didn't come out of abortion out of abortion clinic, but she said, no, you need to come anyway, and and I'm so glad that I did because. This has become a tribe of women, and we all have a similar story of our, of our pain that we've been through, the things that we've experienced, what we, what we saw, what we did, what we did to ourselves, and then to find a place where we can talk about that and that people aren't judging us and people aren't uh, looking at us weird um, because these are very, very horrific stories. Um, but... The redemption that comes from that is amazing. The healing that comes from that is amazing if we allow it to happen, and it can happen for anyone. So if you're someone right now who's thinking, well, I have something in my life, but it has nothing to do with sex education or it has nothing to do with abortion, well, I want to encourage you right now, it doesn't have to be. But if you're if you're at a place where you're done, you're done with whatever it is that you've been involved in, you realize even though the culture is telling me that this is good for me, it makes me powerful, it makes me, you know, stronger, but you know it's not, reach out, you know, reach out to me if you want to. Hello at MonicaKlein.com and tell me about it. Um, Get connected because it can be yours too. 
that redemption can be yours too. And so I think it would also be inspiring for you to watch this show, this series. There's five episodes where you get to hear about Abby's story. You get to hear Annette and Lori and Julie's story, and you get to hear my story. And so many times I have found healing by just hearing someone else's story and realizing like, oh, that me too, that's happened to me as well. Or I have felt that way as well. Or You know, I I had that lie in my head also, and she overcame it so I can overcome it. So there's just a lot that you can come from that. So what's your story? You know, I want want you to think about that. What's your story? What is your child's story? Um, Is there something, you know, our stories are important, and it's important to be able to share them with each other. And I want you to be careful about that. Um, I know Abby talks to us about that quite a bit, is that not everyone is ready to share their story publicly. And I'm not saying that that's what you should do. But there is power in your testimony, great power in your testimony. We've had people at our church who have shared about drug addiction or having been in prison or, um, and it doesn't even have to be something that extreme. It could be other things too. And every time someone shares their testimony, it always touches someone's heart. It always makes someone in the church think, I thought I was the only one. And now I'm now I know I'm not the only one. And and that that makes me think about something I've always told my son. If there is something in your life that you're afraid to speak about because you're ashamed, and it's really it has taken hold of you, and you know it. I bet you, you, if you're listening to this right now, you know what I'm talking about, whether it's anger, whether it's bitterness, whether it's something that you did that you're not proud of, and it's just really chewing at you and you, and, and you can't seem to let it go. I want you to reach out to someone that you trust, because as soon as you can speak out whatever lies are spinning around in your head and you can speak it out loud, it no longer has power over you. And so a lot of times with my son, I would sit him down and I'd try to get him comfortable and remind him that he can trust me or remind him that he can have confidence in me, that I will always love him. And just like God, I will never leave him. I will never abandon him. He just needs to tell me what he's thinking because I could tell that whatever it was, it was torturing him. And so you might be feeling that right now too. And there's no need for you to feel tortured about it. Reach out to someone that you believe you can trust and share that story. Share whatever that is, because as soon as it's out there, this is what's happened to me. As soon as I can speak it out loud, it no longer has power. And so a lot of times with And Then There Were None, for the women who actually share their stories and for the women who share their stories on Beautiful Lives, it, re- it releases you over and over again. Every time the, the testimony is shared, more healing comes. And not only in us, but in the people who hear it. Because you might be someone working in the abortion industry right now. And when you hear that story, whether it was Abby's or, or Annette's or Julie's, you're going to think, oh my gosh, that, that's my story. And it'll, it'll change something in you. Or maybe you're a former, co- or maybe you are a sex educator right now in comprehensive sex education. Maybe you are a peer educator. That means that you're a minor who's been taught how to talk about graphic sex education with other peers. Maybe that's you right now. And maybe part of you have, has been thinking, what am I saying and why am I saying these things? Like, is this really all there is? Well, I'm not sure what your thought are, thoughts are, but... Whatever those thoughts are, if you're having any doubt whatsoever, I want you to share that 
and share it with me again. Hello at MonicaKlein.com. I would love to talk to you about that because it's when we can process that, that we can finally overcome it and move forward. So, um, and, and really as Christians, you know, what does God say about redemption? You know, what does he say about the way he forgives us? What is his vision for us as sinners? You know, a lot of times I talk about this, and, and this will be what where I end the radio show, is that after I left comprehensive sex education, I, I mean, I felt horrible. I, I, I was so ashamed about the things that I had taught. So basically, I thought I was doing the right thing, but once God showed me the truth, I couldn't believe I had taught those kind kind of things. I mean, I, God turned me into a completely different person. I'm still kind of shocked about the things that I taught. Um, and, and I actually thought he'd never let me speak again. You know, it's like, okay, I gave you the gift of speaking out loud, <laughs> you know, publicly. But since you did it, you know, did such a terrible job all those years with comprehensive sex education, you know, you were, you were um, sharing things that were actually harming people. You know, I just thought he'd never let me speak again. But within a year, he had me speaking publicly, sharing my testimony. And the first time I was able to share my testimony was in Waco, Texas. And I shared my testimony with them through tears. Then they invited me back so that I could speak out outside of Planned Parenthood's Nobody's Fool sex ed conference. And I was outside with a microphone warning parents about comprehensive sex education so that they wouldn't just blindly drop off their children at this convention center where they were about to be exposed to all kinds of graphic sex information. So God used what I thought he would just abandon me and say, oh, no, you can't ever speak again. No, he used it so that I could speak into the lives of other parents. And so many parents pulled their children out of that program. They didn't drop them off. And Nobody's Fool was canceled for many, many years. Now, I believe that they're actually implementing it again. But, hey, we have those pro-lifers in Waco uh, who are battling it. And I'd be happy to go over there again if if need be. Uh, But it's important that we share our stories. And it's important to know that God will use anything and everything, not only to redeem us, but then to bring redemption to others. So whatever your story is, I don't want you to be discouraged because there's another side. And God wants to forgive you, and he wants to redeem you, and then he wants you to use your story to bless others. And it doesn't mean that you're going to be doing it on the radio. It doesn't mean that you have to go on stage. It might actually mean that you share your testimony having coffee with someone, and you bless that person. And maybe it's a lot of different coffee meetings that you have with a lot of different people throughout your life. But it's important that the first step is really to allow God to redeem us and to forgive us of those sins that we've committed and to and to forgive ourselves. So if God can forgive us, then we can forgive ourselves. So I want you to take the time to go watch Beautiful Lives on Pure Flicks. Um, I think your world will be rocked from it. <laughs> You're going to hear some... Uh, some truth about the abortion industry and sex education, but not just that, you're going to hear about some beautiful lives. And I truly believe that it's going to change your life and the lives of the people around you that you care for. So thank you for joining me on the Monica Klein Show. Once again, I would love for you to be a sponsor of this show. So email me at hello at monicaklein.com. And until next week, 
God bless.